It's great to share with you this morning to bring a great word of hope and encouragement to you. But I want to ask you a question first up. How far can you see? Physically, I mean, how far can you see? Some of you are thinking now, well, you're talking about with my glasses on or off. Obviously, I can't see that well there. My notes here are kind of about 18 fonts so I can read them. But I have really good long vision. And the best experience I have had of seeing a long distance was when Mary and I some years ago in November climbed to the top of Mount Hotham. You go up to the ski fields and then there's a hike up to the actual point of Mount Hotham. And it's like being on the top of the world. I've never experienced that before that time where everything else is lower than you. And you can see for miles and miles. We could see Mount Buffalo to the west, Mount Buller to the south. Way off in in the east there was this kind of where things started getting faint, the peak of Mount Kosciuszko touching the sky. It was exhilarating, breathtaking. Now compare that to every morning when I wake up and I look out the window of our bedroom that looks over the backyard, the furthest I can see is the trees that line the the back fence of our rear neighbour. And then when I walk out in the morning, the furthest I can see out the front door is the garden of number six across the street. Now if I had only had that experience of looking out the back window and walking out my front door and not the experience of being on Mount Hotham and obviously others, my perspective of the world would be very short-sighted and limited. And I think that's a great metaphor for life as we face life and think about life. So I want to ask you another question, but in a sense more serious question, how far ahead can you see beyond today? And what do you see when you look there? Do you like what you see? As I was thinking about this, I wondered what the people of Ukraine, as they wake up every new day, see and envisage over the horizon of tomorrow. Or the people of Zimbabwe or Syria or Myanmar who have been forgotten by the news coverage Then, of course, there are people like you and I who carry uncertainties and griefs and pain and suffering in our own lives, whether it be serious illness, struggling with a marriage, concern for a child. It may be just the drudgery of tomorrow is much of the same. I'm going to a job that I don't like, but it's the only option I have. And sometimes it's even people who are riding a wave of success. As they look ahead, they just see more of the same success and yet it leaves them feeling empty. As we journey through Paul's letter in Romans chapter 8, picking up and following on from where Kynan left us last week, talking about being enlivened by the Spirit, Paul picks up this life issue and addresses it. And he's originally writing to people in first century Rome where for most people there was no certainty about life. They didn't have control over much. 
And even those in power, longevity in their life wasn't guaranteed. There was a lot of pain and in suffering, uh, suffering and injustice for many people. Many of them had a very limited view of life and the world just because they didn't travel. And so they may not have known much beyond their own experience and what happens in their town or their village or if they lived in a larger place like the city of Rome, their city. And they were people just like us. But sometimes when our life feels limited, when we can't see far ahead, when what we do see doesn't inspire us, We're tempted to react and respond in a variety of ways. It might be despair. What's the point? Things aren't going to change. It might be escapism, finding something else to dwell on that good in the moment but and takes our mind off of things but actually doesn't achieve anything. It could be hedonism. Well, let's eat and drink and be merry Make the most of the moment because tomorrow we're going to die. For others, it's self-medication, whether it be with an addiction like alcohol or drugs or sex or many other things that kind of consume their life and they try to fill a void that way. But Paul says as we get into these verses in Romans chapter 8, there is another way, there is a better way. For those who put their faith in Jesus, there is a different way that we can live in the face of a limited, otherwise limited view of our life and circumstances. And so we pick it up in Romans chapter 8 from verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, Paul writes, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. For the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Note the subject there. Paul's not talking about the glory of Jesus. He's talking about that the children of God will be brought into glory and because God is at work in their life, bringing them to this one uh, future day of great glory when all will be revealed in and through them and with them, so too will the whole of the creation be blessed and glorified because of us. To put it very simply, Paul is saying the antidote to life becoming limited by your current circumstances is to have a bigger perspective, to have a vision that goes over the horizon of today. Two of our children, of our four children, when they were little and toddlers and were starting to get active and, you know, that's that point where they fall over and graze their knees and those things, would Squeal like stuck pigs is a phrase we'd use in our family. And when with our eldest, she was one of them, and when she would, you know, early on we kind of hadn't worked things out, but we thought she'd broken a leg, broken an arm, something disastrous would happen and we'd rush there and find out a tiny little scratch on her toe. 
And so once we kind of got our head around the reality of things, we were able to comfort them because we had a bigger perspective of life and the day ahead and the size of the scratch compared to everything else. We had a bigger vision. Paul reminds us that Jesus has given us a bigger perspective. Jesus has given us a vision over the horizon. Jesus has given us an ability to see how things end, that we have a guaranteed future, that our future when we put our faith in him and walk with him is secured in glory with him that we would be glorified with Jesus, that we would look like Jesus, that in the end we would actually have a heart like Jesus that is pure and holy with no remnants or even any inclination to sin that we live with now, that we would be resurrected never to die again. And this is a a certainty, a hope that goes beyond optimism. This is a certainty that has been guaranteed in advance by Jesus through his death and resurrection. It's been sealed by Jesus and been given to us as a gift. This is not something that we have to manufacture, that we have to earn to be able to get there. It is already there waiting for us. So This section of Romans 8, Paul ends in verses 28 to 30 where he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You see, God always starts with the the end in mind. God doesn't kind of wake up one day and go, well, I, I wonder what we'll do today. Let's kind of just wander off and see where we get to. No, God knows now where he's going to get you to. Last year, uh, our 6x4 trailer ended up having more holes than metal in it. And so it went on its final journey to the scrap metal yard and I left it there. But in the wake of that, I ordered a new trailer, a little bit bigger, 7x4, this time with hurdles. And I was determined that this new one over the years wouldn't rust out by being left just out in the backyard like the old one was. And so I decided I'd build a lean-to shed for my new trailer while it was being made. Now, I like to make things and I kind of work it out as I go. And I kind of guessed at kind of the height of what this trailer would be with the hurdles, measuring my old trailer and then adding the height of the hurdles. I didn't ring up the manufacturer and say, hey, can you give me the details or blueprint So I worked it out as I went and before I got the trailer, I had this lean-to shed built ready to go, get the trailer, take it through the carport, push it across the backyard and guess what? 
The shed wasn't tall enough. So next thing is I had to dig kind of channels for the tyres to make into the ground so I could get it in. My son-in-law's coming over from New Zealand in a week. We might chop the, the thing off and lift it up. While he's there, he's fairly strong. But you see, God's not like us. He doesn't work it out as he goes. He's not like me, says, well, rough enough's good enough. He knows where he's getting us. It's fixed. It's determined. It's set. And so Jesus, when he was with his disciples, the time he had the last supper with them, he prayed these words, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Father, my heart is that these that you give me will share fully in who I am. And so when we put our faith in Jesus and when we walk with him, and as Kynan spoke about last week, as we're enlivened by the Holy Spirit as we journey through this life, our destiny is set. It's not like a beautiful rainbow that the closer we get to it, the further it seems to move away. Jesus has set the goalpost firmly in place and each day we draw nearer to it as we walk with him. But as Paul shares these words, he's not just sharing about that glorious day in the future because knowing the goal sets our course today. Knowing our future destiny sets us free to live differently day by day right now. As you know, GPS is part of our everyday life. Sometimes maybe in ways we don't want it to be, but it is really helpful. It's a lot easier than flicking through the old street directory while you're trying to drive the car. I don't think they had laws about having a street directory in your hand like they do a mobile phone when you're driving back then. But, you know, when I put a destination in my Google Maps on my phone, sometimes it gives me two or three or four alternate routes and they'll take varying amounts of time and I can choose, but they all get me to to that destination. And the journey you're going to take through life, the journey I will take through life will vary, but God already has it set that we're going to get to the same place in the end. And even though we may need to make some choices along the way that may even vary that route ourselves, the destination is still fixed, which means we have this freedom to live differently now because we're not worried about the future. So what changes? Because we know how things will end. Well, firstly, knowing the goal authorises and empowers you now. Knowing the end authorises and empowers you now. Picking up on some of those verses again from Romans 8, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now that is about the future but it's also about the present. We have a calling now to reveal something of Jesus to the creation, to the world around us. 
For the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Yes, on that great and glorious day, but also now the world is different and should be different and become different because we are living out this calling now because we have freedom because we know what the end is. And Paul goes on and says in verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly. You see, we already carry the fruit of the Spirit within us when we put our faith in Jesus that is to be lived out and shared in our world today as a sign to the world of what we know is to come. You know, right now, right across the world, people are crying out for someone to stand up and make a difference because they know things aren't the way they should be. The people in Ukraine are crying out for someone to stand up with them against Russia and Putin. The trafficked child is crying out for someone to see them and rescue them. The family facing the loss of a loved one through a terminal illness is crying out, someone find a cure. The person crushed by their shame and their guilt is crying out for someone to show them a new way, how they can find peace and freedom and joy again in their life. All over the world right now people are crying out in all kinds of ways. God, where are you? Things are not meant to be like this. Maybe that's you crying out that prayer right now. Even if you don't use the word God, there's something deep inside of you saying this isn't the way things should be. Someone help. And so we, God's children, are the hope of the world, the ones who are to bring a revelation of who Jesus is, of his glory, of his love, of his power, of his healing, of his compassion, of his mercy, of his provision, of his justice as we live out our lives in the world today. Jesus has commissioned us and enlivened us by his Holy Spirit to do the very things that he did. And so if we see a need, we're called to act. And if we can't act, then we can speak. And if we can't speak into that situation, we can pray. Secondly, knowing the goal, knowing how things end, enables us to lament and pray with hope. Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as full heirs. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know, every time the latest devastation in Ukraine and the injustice of missiles striking civilian targets 
has reported on the news, there's something deep inside of me that cries out, how long, O Lord, must this go on? But it's not a cry of despair. It's a cry that knows there is a better way and there is an answer because I know how the story ends and I know the heart of God for me and for the people of Ukraine. You know, I can sit with people who are in deep grief and pain and turmoil and uncertainty even when I don't have an answer, which is most of the time. There was a time when I was younger when situations like that I would run away from because I didn't have an answer. But even now when I know I don't have an answer, sometimes I don't even know the best words to share, but I can step in, I can lean in, I can sit with that person, not because of my skill but because I know the future God has for me and for them. Even this morning. After the first service, I prayed with someone who carried a burden f- for a family member whose life is in a mess. And, it's a, and yet they're willing to carry that because they know that God loves them and that God loves this person. And it's not the way it's meant to be and it doesn't have to end this way. And yet it's a, it's a lament that they carry but they're not afraid to carry that. We are, the one, we are to be the ones who don't shrink back and run away, but the ones who lean in and step forward. In the early centuries after Christ came, in the Roman Empire there'd be times when cities and towns would be afflicted by plagues and, and diseases. And those who were able in those cities would flee out of fear But the Christians from those regions would move in to care for the sick and the dying. I'm so grateful for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and in particular in this setting the gift of tongues because there are times when I run out of words to pray. But I can use that gift enlivened by the Holy Spirit to continue to pray, directed by the Spirit, to pray my heart to God. But even beyond that, to know that even when I don't know to pray, I don't know how to pray, I've run out of the energy to pray, that the Holy Spirit is standing there with me, interceding for me in line with the perfect will of the Father. And I've learned that when I face unsolvable issues that I can pray, Lord, make a way where there is no way because those he calls, he provides for, he sustains, he sees them through. The world waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So let's be a people who step forward, who step up and bring that revelation of Jesus to the world in our day through our words and our actions and our prayers because we are the ones who know how the story ends and it is a great and glorious ending. 
And because, because we have been commissioned and by Jesus and enlivened by the Holy Spirit to live out this life, not just in heaven one day, but here on earth and see the kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. And as we pray this morning, we're going to put that into practice. We're going to be the children of God. We are going to do what Jesus did. We are going to, as kind of talked about, share our faith for the sake of others. And so as we pray this morning, if you're here and have a need, then I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment. Whether it's a need for healing, a need for comfort, a need for God's help or for revision in some way, whether it is a huge thing, whether it is a small thing. God is here and we are here as the children of God to be Jesus to one another. So I invite you now to stand if that's you. We're not going to ask you to share anything. We're just going to ask you to stand so we can see you and then we're going to pray for you. So if that's you this morning, please stand and then we'll pray. If you're joining us online, you can stand if you like. We, obviously we can't see you but God sees you. And sometimes standing or doing something in that way is just a, a sign of activating your own faith. And I invite you to pray yourselves as we pray for you. And as someone said, well, how do I pray? Pray your heart. Pray what's on your heart. So let's pray now as the people of God in faith with expectation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up to those of you this morning who are standing, who've indicated that they have a need. Lord, first of all, those who have a need for healing. Lord, those who have a need for physical healing, we pray for healing of their bodies, restoration of their bodies, that the things that are broken would be made whole, that the things that are not working would now work, that the things that are missing would even be replaced through your miracle working power. Lord, for those who need emotional, mental health healing, Lord, we pray bring peace. Bring assurance, bring comfort and stillness. Wrap them in your arms, still their anxious heart. Restore their disturbed mind. And Lord, for those who need your help in some way, we pray that even now you'll begin a work of grace in their life, revealing yourself, your provision, your help, a word of guidance, a sign that you are there with them, a sense that you are holding them by your right hand. a confidence that things are going to work out even if they don't see the answer yet. 
a deep knowing that they know, that they know, that they know. Lord, we thank you that you use us to bring your grace and your kingdom to bear in the lives of people now. Amen. For those of you present in the building, let's stand. We're going to finish with this great kind of celebratory song, Great Things, Great Things. He has done even this morning amongst us. God has done great things.